Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shift Change. On today's episode, Michelle and I are going to be talking about compassion. What is compassion? Can compassion be taught? How can we be compassionate leaders? And what is compassion fatigue? So Michelle, to get us started, do you want to share what is a definition of compassion? As defined by Merriam-Webster Dictionary, compassion is sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. So essentially, for me, compassion is being able to be with others and enter into a relationship where you're acknowledging the suffering or the distress that they're experiencing and also be invested in trying to help them through that. Not necessarily to alleviate the suffering, I guess. I mean, as nurses, we are trying to alleviate the suffering. But I think it's more important for me to think about compassion as just being in that space and sharing that space with someone as they're suffering. And then having empathy towards that as well. Empathy and understanding and not being afraid to acknowledge that or being afraid to enter into that relationship. Mm -hmm. I think that's such an important part of it for me, that compassion is distinct from empathy. It's definitely distinct from sympathy, where it's not just a feeling, it's that feeling compelled to then do something about it, even if that something is to be present with another person and help them feel seen, to help them feel heard, or if it's taking more tangible action, like offering a medication or offering some sort of intervention. But to me, compassion definitely is about that presence and taking it to the next step not just witnessing but both witnessing and doing I agree and I I agree that it's important to distinguish it from sympathy which sympathy I mean essentially it's feeling sorry for somebody and I don't know how helpful that is for somebody that's in distress especially as nurses when we're in healthcare situations where somebody is witnessing their loved one in a medical crisis or a physical crisis or a mental health crisis I don't know how uh, helpful it is for the people around them to feel sorry for them and I don't know how helpful it is as nurses to approach patients and their families from the perspective of feeling sorry for them I think that could maybe lead to like a power imbalance in the relationship or not really being able to give the type of care that would be most helpful to a patient and their family in the moment I think it takes resiliency on the part of the nurse as well to be compassionate because I think sometimes it can take a lot out of you emotionally physically as well I think as nurses in a lot of the high acuity areas or in the community when they're with patients that are experiencing crisis, especially at this time, we work in mental health and we live in the Vancouver area. So a lot of the nurses that are in places like the downtown east side, a lot of the outcomes of the opiate overdose crisis and the the trauma that comes with that, that can take a lot out of nurses, especially seeing the same people over and over again. People that you get to know, people, patients and their families that because you see them and you have an ongoing relationship relationship with it can be traumatic it can be mentally draining so it does take a lot of resiliency and reflection on the part of the nurse to be able to maintain their own health and their own understanding of what it means to be compassionate and how to do that in a productive way in a healthy way instead of I guess giving too much of yourself or feeling like you're being compassionate at your own expense. Yeah, I think that was such an important thing for me to learn early in my career. I always knew that this sense of connection was so important in my work and trying to be really present with people and trying to lead with compassion. But I think a piece that was missing for me 
was knowing that it was a marathon, not a sprint. And so I think that sometimes I would go in and really have false expectations or false hopes of what I thought the outcome of any given situation would be in a way that was unfair sometimes to the clients and patients that I was working with because I thought, oh, if I can help kind of crack the code of what they need, if I can be the person who helps them make this difference, then that will make me really helpful. What I didn't realize in that thinking that was that my ego was getting caught up and mixed up in the work that I was doing. And so I think a big learning curve for me, but a really important one was paying attention to those thoughts and patterns of thinking that now help me see if I'm kind of going down a path of putting my needs before the patient's needs, or if I'm thinking, oh, I really hope that this person makes the right decision in this situation, calling myself on it and being like, what do I know about what is the right decision for this person's life? Um, Because I think that that thinking can so often slip into judgmental thinking or similar as you were saying, if I notice thoughts or if I'm starting to speak in a way that sounds like, oh God, this poor person that I'm pitying someone, I think it inherently starts to introduce a power dynamic, judgment, expectation. And I think that's not what is most helpful. I think meeting people from a place of non-judgment and meeting people from a place of helping them feel again, seen and heard wherever they are is to me what I've come to understand compassion as, as opposed to this swoop in as a hero and like, let me save you. Yeah, I think it's really important to engage in that self-reflection process and recognize if there's a shift happening where you feel like you're becoming overly invested in the outcome of any situation, or if you feel like you're pitying people or feeling like you're coming from the place of the savior that's coming in to help raise them up instead of approaching people from a place of strength and, and realizing that people are resilient. A lot of times in healthcare, even when I was nursing in the downtown east side, people that have a lot of barriers, people that are marginalized, they're also incredibly resilient and they're incredibly strong and they have a lot of strengths and they have a lot of value that I think sometimes people forget about if you're approaching it from the perspective of like, you know, this person, their health isn't that great. Maybe they have mental health issues going on. Maybe they have a substance use issue happening. They might be living in poverty. They might not have had all the advantages and the privilege of other people. But it's important to recognize that they're still like alive and they're still accessing healthcare and they're still they're still a person of value. And I think that's important to recognize. I think it's important to understand if you want to meet someone from a place of compassion as well. Well, that to understand that we're all in a relationship when we're delivering healthcare, we're entering into a relationship with someone and we're all doing this like we're coexisting and we're all we're in this together so I think that's another thing that's important to recognize the people that we're providing care for they're changing us as much as we're changing them and I think yeah I think that's important to acknowledge as well that it's a learning experience probably on both our parts Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. I feel like I owe such a huge debt to some of the young people that I have had the privilege of working with. And some of the most powerful things that I've learned in my nursing career have been when I've had the opportunity to interact with patients or clients that I'm working with in spaces where their true talents and skills and passion have come to shine. And when I've gotten to learn from the patients and clients that I'm working with, seeing people create art, seeing people create 
spoken word poetry, seeing the relationships that people can forge, seeing their strength and problem solving skills come out. And I feel like it's tough to see those things if the relationship is set up so that the healthcare provider is the expert and has all the answers and the patient or client is just receiving all that information. I feel like if you kind of extinguish any possibility of that learning going both ways, then so much can be missed. But I feel like sometimes the healthcare system can be set up so that the healthcare provider is expected to be that expert. But I feel like there's so much power in moving away from those dynamics. I think so as well. And I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of structural things in the healthcare system that are set up that make it sometimes difficult or maybe obscure compassion or the importance of compassion in healthcare, the importance of compassion in nursing. Things like time limitations and the number of patients that have to get seen, time limitations on how long someone can be in the emergency room, time limitations on how long somebody can be admitted to an inpatient unit before they have to go, restrictions on access to service or limitations on number of visits for outpatient mental health services. I think all of those, there's a lot of constraints in the system that make it seem like there's not enough time, but also like constrains the amount of time that you can spend with people. So I think it's also important to try to think about and not plan, but be mindful or cognizant of how we can be compassionate, how we can still be with people in the moment and not thinking about, you know, the next patient that's walking in the door or I have to get this person discharged because someone else needs to be admitted in an hour and I have to get this room cleaned. And what about thinking about some of those structural constraints that can exist and the challenges that you mentioned earlier with showing up from a compassionate place? What does compassion fatigue mean to you? Compassion fatigue, I think it's a term that it gets thrown around a lot. I think we confuse it sometimes with moral distress and the distress that we feel when ethically we want to deliver a certain level of care to approach the relationship and the person from a certain way, but we're not able to do that because of the constraints of the system. Or because we have to see so many clients, there's so many people on our on our caseload, or there's so many people that are experiencing so much trauma and we're short-staffed and there's a lot of these constraints of the, of the structure of the system that make us morally distressed because we feel like we're not able to be the best that we could possibly be. And then we feel disappointed or we feel like we feel the effects of the social injustice that's happening. And this helplessness and being able to change that as a single provider or as a single clinician, a single nurse. And then I think in turn, sometimes we say that's compassion fatigue and we're, t- we're too tired to be compassionate. But I don't think that's a thing. Well, I don't believe that's a thing because I think... Like, I like to approach things from more of a Buddhist perspective where, you know, there's an endless amount of suffering that I can do and an endless amount of suffering that I can have with people as long as I'm aware of that. And as a healthcare provider, like as a nurse, I know it's going to end, right? Like there's boundaries on my day, there's boundaries on my shift, there's boundaries on my job. At the end of my 12-hour shift, I get to leave and go home. So I know that there's an, an end in sight. As a nurse, I think we have a lot of autonomy and a lot of power that we don't, that sometimes we forget that we have. And I think sometimes we can feel overwhelmed or feel like we have to change the system or like we have to be these great, um, I don't know, moral agents. But I think sometimes it's okay to just think we're this one person that's having this one interaction with another individual right now. And we can help them in this moment and support them and we can help make their life better in this moment. And that doesn't have to mean that 
their life is going to turn around and everything's going to be fixed now. But in this moment right now, I can make a difference and not let that get obscured by the weight of all the problems in the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that I experienced so much and that became really, really important to me when I was working on an inpatient unit doing 12-hour shifts where there was so much complexity sometimes throughout the day, throughout one shift, was really developing that or really prioritizing being present. And so when something was extremely stressful and, you know, when I was feeling moral distress, knowing that even those situations would, something would break in the tension, something would change. It didn't stay at that level all the time. And then similarly, when things were really positive or when you did have time and there was space just to have those more meaningful conversations with colleagues, have those more meaningful conversations with patients and clients and their families, that ability to go the extra mile, really being able to pause in those moments as well and remember what that feeling was like, because it can be so easy to sometimes jump from one chaotic thing to the next. But I think as a matter of practice, trying to slow things down and look at what is going well here, what can be celebrated. And as we've touched on before, the importance of the culture in a unit, I don't think can be underestimated. And the importance of finding those colleagues or finding even that just that one other person at work that you can kind of look at. And sometimes it's a knowing glance or sometimes it's, you know, celebrating a colleague for something that they did well. I think those little things add up over time and it can help to sort of hold yourself up and it can help to hold up a team if you know that you're looking for that that glue to hold the team together as opposed to every person for themselves and just trying to survive. I think that type of mentality can just feel, it can make the already heavy work feel even more heavy. Yeah, it can feel overwhelming. I think that's important to think about as well, the the power of teams and how in a lot of healthcare settings, we are working in teams, we're working with other people. And it's important as we approach patients from a perspective of strengths, we approach teams from a strengths-based perspective as well and draw on the strengths of each other, recognizing that sometimes the days are going to be hard and there's going to be things that we didn't plan for that come up. There's going to be crises that happen. Not every day is going to be the best day. Not every day you're going to feel, you're not going to feel good mm-hmm. some days. And just being prepared for that. I think something that I do is when I was doing direct care is not having any expectations about how the shift would go. Mm -hmm. Someone could die today. Somebody could leave today. Somebody might, you know, have a turnaround and respond to their medication. And somebody might be having a birthday today and it might be the greatest day. Like there's a lot of positive things that can happen, but there's a lot of distressing things and crises that could happen. But I never had any expectations about any of it. I wasn't really one of those nurses that would come in and be like, ah, that patient's here again. Like it's going to be one of those days. Like it's just a day. And I think that helped me to maintain that frame of compassion by not having expectations and also realizing that there was a team to draw on. And if I felt like I wasn't at my therapeutic best, having that trust in my team members to say, it's not a good day for me today. Can you help me out? Like my compassion bucket seems like it's empty today and I might not be my therapeutic best. I think that's important. I think it's important to have team members that you trust and a, 
a workplace culture where it's okay to talk about the feelings that we're having, whether they're positive or negative about the day, and for us to be brave and be able to approach each other. If we have a colleague or if we see someone that might be morally distressed or that might be not their therapeutic best to be able to approach them and have that conversation and be supportive and not not attack them or not make assumptions or not make them feel bad and especially like in Vancouver right now opiate overdose crisis actually this is a lot in a lot of urban centers in Canada right now people feel like they don't have like they're just constantly hit with trauma after trauma and like overdose after overdose and healthcare dollars are constantly being cut emergency rooms are overflowing in Vancouver there's such a a nursing shortage so there's not enough staff and it just it feels like the worst ever but it's not the worst ever and I think it's important for us to understand that because I think your frame can really easily shift too from a place where you can approach work from kind of a neutral perspective to coming to work and being like this sucks like every day sucks it's the same same stuff we're short staffed management doesn't care about us we like they expect us to do more with less and like this totally sucks. It's really easy to get into that pattern or that mindset where you're approaching every day like it's the worst ever. And I don't think that's helpful. So I think it's essential, as Claire said, to kind of keep onto those moments and keep onto those days and those shifts and those times where we feel like we did good today and write those down in your journal and Mm -hmm. you know talk about those with your colleagues and I think your comment is so important about being able to show up every day as a fresh start was such an important part of me practicing from a place of compassion when I was doing direct care and working in an inpatient setting and I find it now even working in a leadership role where I'm not doing direct care but being able to come back to that place of thinking every day is a new day not assuming there are certain projects and things that I work on now that people kind of say oh good luck like as if that's going to change but I think coming back to like well I I don't know that it's not like I haven't tried yet or when I was doing direct care one day with a patient that I was working with might have been extremely challenging and they might have really been struggling but knowing that the next day is a new day it's a new opportunity or as you said having that sense of trust with a team to be able to say hey I'm really struggling right now these are the things I've tried and it just doesn't seem to be helping. Do you mind popping in and seeing if you might have a better chance chatting with this youth? Or do you mind, can I bounce some ideas off of you? And just that commitment to moving ahead one step at a time, even if moving ahead means just being present with your colleagues, being present with the patients and youth that you're working with. I think that that approach can get obscured when there's a big push to focus on time and deliverables and other outcomes, maybe. Yeah, I agree. When we talk about compassion, It's important to recognize the compassion that we have to have for our colleague and then compassion that we have to have for ourselves as well. Like I think a lot of us hold ourselves to a really high bar and we want to do, we want to be doing the best all the time, of course, but we're not going to be our best all the time. And patients and their families might tell us that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they might. You can always trust a teenager <laughs> to tell you when it's not. Uh, it's true. We might. The mark. <laughs> we, we have our lives as well. Like we, mm-hmm. yes, we do get, we do get paid. 
to be nurses and it is our job. We went to school for four years, a lot of us, <laughs> to get, a, to get an, uh, our nursing designation. And we are there and we have these expectations, but we're not going to be our best every time. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to not beat ourselves up as well if something didn't go the way that we planned but I think it's also important to not beat our colleagues up um, talk behind their back or make assumptions about what their intentions were if something doesn't go according to plan or if they're not doing it the way that you would do it because it, it happens sometimes like I've been I'll give you an example when I was with a colleague and she was not having her best therapeutic day and she ended up getting very frustrated with one of her patients and ended up basically getting in a screaming match with one of her patients came back to the nursing station and said to me like Michelle I just screamed at a patient can you take over for that patient for a little while and it could have that situation could have gone a couple ways like I could have approached her or I could have responded with like yeah you yelled at the patient and I don't agree with that and that wasn't very good nursing care but instead I said like yeah what do you need right now do you need me to take over for this patient I can do that and you're not having a great day that's okay just take some time and collect your thoughts and ground yourself and we can figure out how this is going to work so that you can get through this day I don't think it would have helped it wouldn't have helped her she already felt bad she knew that she didn't that she did something wrong by yelling at the patient she knew that she wasn't being her therapeutic best so it wouldn't have helped her at all for me to approach it from a place of criticism instead you know I gave her I approached it from a place of compassion where I was being empathetic and she was able to trust me and ultimately she actually continued care of that patient because she collected her thoughts and she kind of grounded herself and then went back to the patient and apologized so it worked out in the end but I mean it could have gone that situation could have gone a different way if I approached it a different way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, again, coming back to like, I can't say enough how important the team is because everyone is going to have bad days. Everyone is, especially when you're putting yourself in intense situations, I think to have that trust and to have those relationships on a team where you can say, hey, I need to take a step back and someone is jumping in saying, what can I do to help? How can I show up for you? How can I flex? And then trusting and knowing that on another day, you'll be having a better day and you can step in. Like, I think it's that just that reciprocal giving is one of the most powerful things that colleagues have offered me because there are different things will bother different people. Different things will trigger different people. You know, you just hope that my bad day isn't everyone else's bad day and vice versa. (laughs) And you work alongside each other long enough to just hit that rhythm. There's something that's when like I feel so grateful that I'm a nurse for having hit that stride with colleagues where you just know you can trust the other person. And you know, if they say, I'm really worried about this youth, you know, they mean it. Or if you say, I'm not worried, you know, they mean it. I think just there's something really powerful that can develop quite quickly. It's not that you need to work with someone for, you know, two years or 10 years. This can develop in a matter of days and weeks, but it's about valuing compassion as the place that you start from, valuing trauma-informed care, valuing harm reduction, valuing a strengths-based approach. So you, you aren't stumbling over how are we going to address this and I think I had to learn that over time as well like I remember I remember a moment when I worked with a nurse that was the best nurse that I ever worked with when I was in Calgary and she just she was had been a nurse for 25 years 26 years and she was still so like positive 
about everything, still approaching things from a place of strength. And she's actually, she's in her, she's got to be in her mid-50s now, but she just went back to school to become an NP. But she was just such a great nurse. And she was my mentor when I was a clinical nurse educator. And she just said to me one day, the nurses, they all are trying to do, they all want to do their best. Mm-hmm. And you can approach it from two ways, believing that everyone goes into this for a reason, because we have this compassion because we want to help people and because we are all wanting to do our best and we're all wanting to help people some people just don't have those skills or you can approach it from a place of like thinking everyone just sucks and everyone is just like you know not not invested in this we are and that just kind of divides us and it changes your frame and I found that ever since then like approaching things from the perspective of thinking that we're all we all want to be the best we all want to help people we all want to have the highest competence of practice we all want to practice ethically sometimes we just have barriers that get in the way or we don't have the skills or the knowledge to be able to do that so it's better to approach it from a place of helping um compassion empathy like wanting to build people's strengths and help them grow instead of thinking that people are just hopeless cases or that people are lost causes. And I think that applies equally in how we treat our colleagues, how we treat ourselves, how we treat the patients and clients and families that we work with. Yeah, just coming from that, fundamentally coming from that place of believing that people are doing their absolute best at any given moment. And if they could be doing better, they would be doing better. I think that also helps me to break a cycle or pattern of frustration or feeling like, things should have gone a different way. Although I will say sometimes I, I have to dig deeper to hold on to that thinking when it comes to colleagues. Uh, <laughs> I, you're, that's true. But, it's, <laughs> but I, I also respect the fact that you often bring it back to like, we also have to be compassionate with colleagues. And I think it's such an important reminder that it's not just about finding colleagues who think like me and work like me and speak like me, that I create this bubble with that I'm like, oh, same, same, we're all doing great things. <laughs> also kind of extending this commitment to compassion even when I work with colleagues who my first thought might be they could have done better in that situation. But taking that step back and thinking, what do I need right now to help me offer that person compassion? What boundaries do I need to set? How do I need to take care of myself so that I'm not feeling so frustrated that I'm being reactive with that colleague? Yeah, I think that's important to recognize as well. When we're getting angry, and we feel like we're going to be reactive and to kind of explore that a little bit in ourselves and think about where is this coming from? Why am I so angry right now? Why do I think they're the worst? And kind of come approach it from the place of like, we're not, we aren't going to agree with everybody. We're, we aren't going to approach things the same way. And we don't, we haven't all worked in the same places. We don't all have the same values. I mean, hopefully we share some values. Hopefully we share some of the values of the organizations that we work for and the professions that we're working for, but we're all, all different. And I think that's important in order for us to grow mm-hmm. and for us to even be able to engage in a process of self-reflection. Yeah. Because I don't think it helps us when we just think everyone is the worst all the time or everybody, like, why doesn't, why don't they know that? You know, how come they didn't do it the same way that I did? Doesn't, it doesn't help. Mm -hmm. I heard a saying a while ago, sometimes I focus so much on being understood that I forget to be understanding. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And I feel like it sort of reminds me a bit of what we're talking about here that sometimes, and that I find myself in that place often, probably why the saying resonated with me, that's 
sometimes I get so focused on advocating for what I think is the best way forward, or I can get so passionate about what I'm doing that it can be a reminder for myself that I need to take a step back. And yeah, if I'm feeling frustrated with a colleague, it usually says quite a bit more about me than it does about them. And so being able to dig deep and ask myself the hard questions or learn what I need to to make sure that I'm showing up from a place of being pretty collegial. Yeah, not <laughs> totally reactive. <laughs> it's so true. There's been times, maybe I've talked about this before on one of the podcasts, where I've been, something has happened and I was so sure that I was in the right and then reflecting on it later, thinking, wait a minute, was I the asshole in this situation? Was I the person that was wrong in this situation? Did I actually make this worse by like steadfastly sticking to my perspective and what I thought was right here? It's awful when you come to that realization where you realize that you were not helping at all, but instead you were like letting somebody flounder in the hope that they were going to learn a hard lesson. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, <laughs> I have definitely gone back to colleagues and apologized more than once in my life. Quite a few more times than once. Because, yeah, I'm not always at my best. And I think hopefully, and it's meant a lot to me when colleagues have apologized to me for things. And I think that's part of building that trust is that reinforcing the message that the expectation isn't that we're perfect all the time. The expectation is that we're learning, we're reflecting, we're growing, and it's a safe enough space that you can show up and say, hey, I messed up, or I think I might have messed up, and then being able to move forward from there. And I think, so the last question we want to talk about is, can compassion be taught? And I think that compassion can be taught. I think as human beings, we are all compassionate. Inherently, most human beings have the ability to have empathy and to be able to have relationships with other people where we can learn how to be with people and learn how to aid someone and recognize when someone else is in distress. So I think that we all have this basis of compassion. And when we come to a profession like nursing, we can learn additional skills in order to be able to use that in our practice and to be able to use that in relationship with the nursing interventions or the nursing care that we're providing. We can learn how to be compassionate. So I think that we are taught those skills and we do learn how to build those and how to grow those as nurses a hundred percent I think like the amount that I have learned about being compassionate and how to be respectful and how to show up the amount that I've learned over the last 10 years is just hard for me to even grasp and I can only hope and expect that I'll learn just as much in the next 10 years and the 10 years that follow that like I if I thought at this point that like oh compassion I've got this I think that would make this a pretty boring journey I think there's always more that can be learned the more that I learn about myself the more that it helps me to show up in a compassionate way the more that I see colleagues in different circumstances the more that I work on different teams there's always so much more to be learned. I agree. I think that we also need to be aware of the fact that it, compassion isn't static either. We have it and then we just have it forever and we're going to be compassionate in every moment. I think there are times when we do become jaded and we have to acknowledge that as well. Those situations where we're becoming very cold or becoming very curt or where we've changed the type of care that we're giving and kind of reflect on the reasons why but understand that because we you hear it all the time when you're working with a nurse and then you hear people tell stories about that nurse because they've been working them for a while and hear them say like that person's such a great nurse 
Mm. And now they're just so angry or they just, they're not a great nurse anymore. And I wonder what, what happened to them? Is it because they weren't reflective of their practice? Is it because they just got too jaded or burnt out by the system? It's not something that they were made aware of, or it's not something that we support in the system. That's, that's an unfortunate thing that happens sometimes as well. When we think that compassion just is. And it's not something that needs to be nurtured or it's not something that needs to be fostered or reflected on or checked up on in workplace cultures. And then it kind of dissipates or you take it as as a given. You're a nurse, you must be compassionate. Well, sometimes the tough things that happen in the workplace kind of strangle Mm -hmm. the amount of compassion that you're able to give. And I think employers and leaders and managers need to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's probably lots more we could say about Mm -hmm. compassion, Mm -hmm. but maybe we'll leave here for today and then no doubt loop it back into future episodes thank you so much michelle for joining until next time